What a wonderful sunset. Crisp. Yes, it's always been one of my favourites. Which is why I'm very glad you managed to pull it up on the randomizer. Goodness. Hello everybody, no time for a full introduction today as Grandma here has already selected today's episode and it's Space 1999, The Last Sunset. So welcome back to Space 1999 on the randomizer and uh, I think we can go in saying... Planet Ariel with its atmosphere. This is my favourite episode of the entire series and I, I will fully admit... What does that do to your sense of symmetry, Victor? Oh, if we go into orbit, I shan't care about symmetry. It's perhaps not the, uh, you know, objectively, it's perhaps not the best. Computer predicts. Oh, yeah. Especially if you're looking for uh, accuracy in the science department. Come in, Alan. Although if you're looking for accuracy in Space 1999, you may be on to a bit of a losing thing. The oxygen content is more than four times that of Earth. But uh, we've discovered this planet Ariel, and we're all very excited about the, the possibilities of, of settling here. Stand by to fire your retros in 30 seconds. It all looks very promising. Everything seems to be going well. Computer's flight plan for their descent to the planet's surface. No problems? No problems. Except for the inevitable crash landing at the other end. But we've taken that into account. I have scanner contact. Alien object approaching. Uh-oh. Another lovely planet uh, design. Alien object closing fast. Cue the reused music from Thunderbird 6. I'm not a, a mad fan of the uh, effects of the uh, the little probe whizzing around. Some kind of missile. Always nice to see eagles banking and weaving to avoid being hit, but uh, because the probe is so small, you can't. It, it, it looks like what it is—a little model being waved around on a string. But the build-up to it uh, hitting the eagle is is quite fun, especially as Alan and uh, co-pilot. Is that Pete Johnson? There was a sort of semi-regular co-pilot for Alan in the first season. They both cover their faces as if to say, oh, well, that's it for us. Alan! Alan! We're alive, Commander. It hasn't gone off. So you don't have to cry about me this time. Yeah, that was the last time we saw Space 1999 on the randomizer, I think, was... Uh, ...was Collision Course. Personnel from Launch Pad 1. Crash unit, stand by! Well, that was looking positive until it wasn't. We've now got this thing attached to Eagle 1 as it returns to Alpha. Approaching now for final descent. All right, Alan. We won't take any chances. We'll bring you in on automatic. That one is sealed off. As soon as you land, skip all touchdown procedures and get clear as quickly as you can. Fine, Commander. So far, it hasn't made a move. Well, my guess is it won't. At least not until you bring it home. All right, Paul, bring him in. Of course, you could land uh, somewhere away from the base if you're that worried about it and uh, have uh, Alan and uh, Johnson come in on foot, but... Uh, no, we'll, we'll bring we'll bring it into the base because uh, we kind of have to for the story to work. And this is a nice, very nice shot of the. Uh, I, I think this is the largest of the Eagle models, soon to be up for auction. I understand uh, landing on the on the launch pad here. And you get this lovely close up of the um, the, the the foot pads um, taking the weight of the Eagle as it lands. I think that's the only time you see those those pads moving in the show. Everything seems all right. We're taking our harnesses off very slowly. And some reused Secret Service music here. Lots of reused music in this one, I seem to recall. Victor, what do you get on the scanners? Nothing. Can't get any readings at all. And the object resists any remote analysis technique we have. We'll have to bring it in. Well, no, you don't have to. But you have. Intelligent civilization with an atmosphere similar to Earth's sees Earthman approaching and tries to prevent him. 
So by creating a diversion and a continuing mystery, he does just that. Plausible? Yes. And why? This part of it kind of reminds me, actually, of sort of uh, chimps in lab experiments poking and prodding at uh, a various various toys that have been thrown in. As he likes. Don't let's waste any more time in getting back to that planet. Which I suppose fits in with a lot of... Uh, we'll have all the time we need. This show's uh, attitude towards humanity's exploration of space. Anything so far, Victor? Ah, uh, not much, I'm afraid. Wait, 428. Composition? Still unknown. Inert? Oh, totally. <laughs> and that's a record time for one of Victor's statements to be uh, yes! rendered uh, false or mistaken. It's inert, and then it spits out a uh, little antenna and starts spewing gas everywhere. Victor, analyze that gas sooner than possible. Alan, stand near me and look ruggedly handsome. Technical section, seal it off. Then open his airlocks to the surface. Come on. I like this as well, seeing the uh, the gas escaping through the base as it's being pumped out by the probe. And it's, yeah, lots of Alphans running around. And the gas, I think, reaches parts of the base that you wouldn't normally see that often. Yeah, regular running extras. Quentin Pierre and Mike Stevens, don't know what they were doing in the same room together, but they can't get out of there fast enough. That's it, breaking windows and the gas is venting onto the surface. Tearing through the eagle hangar. Oh no, it took out stuntman Alf Joint, uh, who played uh, Steiner, I think, in uh, in Breakaway. It's going through the travel tube tunnels. It's spewing up what looks like pieces of shredded newspaper from the bottom of a launch pad. Possibly could be uh, the the charred remains of an eagle that's exploded there, or several eagles. Fuel off and ventilated. Good. Pressure in the technical area was up by 80 before we could activate the airlocks. It couldn't get out fast enough. I love as well that we have a show where we have all these sets and parts of the base established and we have physical models Less than a meter. To, to, to show it all so that when something like this happens That's impossible. We're not reliant on being told what's just on being told what's happening. We can actually see it. And now here are reinforcements, lots more probes that nobody detected approaching the base until one person happened to look out the window. Commander, we're being invaded. Yep, Tanya was on the case. A very Tanya-heavy episode, this one. It's air! Relatively speaking. That thing's brought us air! Oh, and here we go, coming up to one of my favourite moments of the whole show. All the probes have settled on the surface, the atmosphere is building, and now we get... the blue and the red of a sky, and that gorgeous shot of aerial sun looming over the, uh, the lunar horizon. And everyone rushing to the windows to look. All our regulars, all our extras, even Dr. Matthias, who really had no reason to be anywhere near that building, he's turned up, and we're all gawking at the, uh, the beauty of it, because it is beautiful. It's a lovely image for this show. Red sunrise, blue sky. I remember those. An atmosphere. We've got an atmosphere. Yay! And uh, as with Crywolf... I almost want to end the, the episode there. It could almost be a nice self-contained happy ending. They, they have a, a nice atmosphere and a new world. But that wouldn't be as, as satisfying as, uh, as the rest of this episode. Now we've got to explore this new world, see what it's like out there. Gravity is increasing, Paul. By the time we go into orbit, it will be almost the same as Earth's. Yay! <laughs> 
Computer's telling us nice stories today. Computer never tells Tell stories. Oh, everyone is happy. Even Helena and Connor, who aren't normally the happiest of people, they're like, yes, this is great fun. Of course, I can only test for elements that we know and can identify. And of course, seeing the characters happier, it makes their personalities, their, their performances, uh, seem a bit more real. It begins to thin off rapidly at 20,000. Now on Earth... That Again, I should stress, I'm not one of these people who go, oh, the thing about Space 1999 is uh, they were puppets, but they, you know, they were humans pretending to be puppets. It's like, no and live in it. Anyone who makes that criticism against those shows, uh, by and large, has not seen these shows. Attention, everyone. Dr. Russell is satisfied, as far as she can tell from processed data, that the atmosphere out there is breathable and safe. If you can trust a word she says. Now, what I'd like now are two volunteers to go out there and make sure. Oh, and everyone volunteers, but of course... Sandra, Paul. Oh. I want you to remember that this Why couldn't they have picked... ...the final stage of a scientific program. I don't know who's there. Sarah Bullen, Andy Dempsey... Loftus Burton, Mike Stevens. I'd like you to run a constant check on their joy levels. <laughs> oh, I hate that line. Let's humour the commander, though, by laughing at it. Confirm airlock pressure equalised with atmosphere. Confirmed, Paul. You're clear to move out now. I have to wonder what uh, Martin Landau's reaction was to seeing that line, because we hear his, there's famously stories of how he reacted to certain things in scripts for the second season, um, namely writing his feelings down on the scripts themselves. I wonder how he how he felt about lines like that. He still had to say it's a terrible line. Uh, I think it's the only only low point of this episode because, I, as I said, I love this one. I love this image of Sandra and Paul out on the surface. You're now breathing more air than oxygen and the pressures inside and outside your suits are equal. How do you feel? I feel fine. My pulse rate is increasing. Yes, I'm monitoring that. Chalk that up to the excitement. I also love that Sandra's spacesuit is so much smaller than anyone else's. I mean, there's literally, I don't think anyone else on the show could have reused that spacesuit except Xenia. Now Paul's taken off his gloves, loosening the uh, fastenings of his helmet, lifting the visor, and... More reused music, supercar this time. Smells very good. Like what? Like, like country air. And this is a lovely scene to give to, you know, it's not Koenig and Helena are out there, as you might expect. One of the strengths of this episode is the focus on, on the other regulars besides them. Now, everyone's set up outside having a nice party. Alan and Tanya are having a spot of Luna Badminton. Everyone else is uh, out there enjoying the sun and drinks. And Tanya's lost the match. Oh, and here we go. Here's the scene. Oh, <laughs> we're going to have to worry about sitting in drafts. Yes, the uh, the infamous window. And I'm not going to go too much into that because it comes up on social media so often. Why would a moon base have windows that could pull down? And of course, we know there was a deleted scene where the windows were put in. And then there was a deleted scene later on where the windows were taken out because the people on Alpha are not idiots. They wouldn't have something like that just sat there, at least not in the first season. I, I will say against the show, they probably anything that gets me out of Alpha shouldn't have left that bit in if they were going to remove the the installation and the removal of, of the windows. Um, but hey-ho. And now I'm annoyed because I've waffled all over a ni another nice scene. If this is the end of one life, we have to start to build a new one. 
to live like human beings again. In its early days, but their thoughts are already turning to the future. Sound I miss most in the silence of space. Birdsong. And it's nice as well to see that you know Prentice Hancock and Xenia can deliver the goods just as well as Landau and Bain. Cooped up. And Morse. There are thoughts we just can't allow ourselves to think. Because Paul and Sandra, although you know they're fairly prominent in the show, they've by and large they're just there to say things that that really anyone else could say so it's nice it's so nice to have an episode like this and realize oh wait yeah these are people real people with their own lives and hopes and dreams and feelings Orbit, this old for each other as they uh new earth express quite clearly there side alpha we could fertilize the lunar dust and raise crops all we need is a rainfall well we can make that yeah here's rotten with humidity all we're going to do is to start the cycle sowing cloud-forming crystals in the sky. And it's a lovely idea as well that they finally find the home they've been looking for, and it's on their doorstep. It also sort of um, strengthens the idea that how Alpha survives long-term and, and, and also where they get the materials to build the eagles is, uh, is that so much of what they need is available on the moon already. And I, I don't know whether that would be the case in real life, but I think this episode certainly supports the idea that within this show... The moon itself is uh, is a convenient source of, of minerals and raw materials. And we are now building up to our first, first rainstorm on the moon. Of course, Paul and Sandra are already out in it. All the extras are having fun. And yep, Alan's going to head out there with Tanya and a few other extras. And just frolic in the rain and the mud. Oh, this looks like so much fun. And it's, again, so nice to see the regular extras getting a lot more screen time this week. I mean, not only Suzanne Roquette, who is sort of borderline regular character and extra. Hey, Paul! Tomorrow we'll build a swimming pool. Tomorrow we'll build a new alpha. Oh, that's lovely. But people like Mike Stevens and Andy Dempsey and, and people who've been been in main mission the whole series let's give them more to do here see all those craters will fill up and become circular lakes oh john it's gonna be a beautiful new world i also like um there's somebody at paul's chair in main mission he doesn't want to go outside whoever that is i can't recognize the the actor he can't be bothered to go out there and have fun he'd rather sit indoors Alpha is built in a crater first rainstorm in months and he's going to sit indoors as, as you hope it will Right at the bottom of one of those lakes will be Moon Base Alpha. Oh dear. I also didn't see Carno uh, frolicking outside. So now it's time to send out a uh, reconnaissance flight. See where else we can uh, live on the moon. This expedition will be under the overall command of Dr. Russell. Uh-oh. The job ahead for these people is to find the best place in which to live so that we may begin our new life, our new future. I'd like you to join me now in wishing them good luck. Yes. Oh, lots of smilings and shaking hands and wavings. I also wonder, again, it's not really hugely relevant to the episode that they bring this up, um, to what extent Alpha might be secure against being submerged. More dialogue for the extras. These people never, ever speak. And now we can't, we can't stop hearing from them. And, yeah, there's the three stars of the show watching the eagle depart. John Koenig, Victor Bergman, and Tanya. Tanya, right there in the centre of the uh, the mains there. Forming over the Taurus Mountains. Oh, lovely. Fine. 
Yeah, but I, I do wonder to what extent Alpha, being a, 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 a lunar base, might potentially be able to survive That's why I opted for the being submerged if uh, if its crater becomes a lake. The transmitter is beginning to act like a primitive crystal set. And who's been left in charge of computer while uh, Kano's taken over Paul's seat? Computer can't read much of this data. There's too much interference. We've got all the filters in. It's the best we can get. Tanya again. Going into an electric storm or something. An atmosphere is a mixed blessing. Not for me, it isn't. Uh, communications are bad, Commander. We're back to the static and crackle of Earth. Because basically we've sent off all our regular characters, bar John, Victor and Carno. We kind of need to give someone else some lines. Here's Tanya. Now we're really flying. Who always should have been more prominent in this show, darn it. I, I have a feeling this... This episode might possibly be the last time she speaks, which is a real shame. Hello, Alpha. Speaking of real shames... I'm getting severe turbulence on the run-up to the Taurus Mountains. I'm going over the top. Alan's in an eagle, and there's a storm. Needless to say, it's not going to end well. We're not receiving you, 2-8. But if you can hear me, Alan, your orders are to return to base immediately. I also love how when an eagle is in trouble, and they're shooting on the cockpit set... I want their exact position. The, um, the camera gets right in there, and the way the camera is moving... We're losing power! ...does so much to suggest the the movement of the eagle itself. Backup power! Malfunction! Everything's broken on the eagle, by the way. Um, yeah, I, I doubt that the eagle cockpit would have been, like, mounted on... I don't know, anything to, to sort of simulate that shaking. So the actors presumably would have had to do it for real. That, that camera does so much to establish the movement of the ship. Which, of course, won't be moving anymore. Surprise, surprise, they've crashed. Eagle 28, come in. All contact lost with on board computer. <gasps> More lines for Tanya. Extreme close ups on several of the extras there Sarah Bullen, Mike Stevens, and another guy whose name I can't remember. I want every Eagle fueled and ready for liftoff. Oh, wonderful stuff. Every inch within a radius of 500 miles of the last position. Victor, divide the sector into 28 zones. Matthias. Yes, Commander. Load Eagle One with medical supplies and rescue equipment. You're coming with me. Well, I was performing brain surgery on uh, Tony Vadashi, but uh, now I'll come with you. Eagle Twelve to Pad Three. I love this as well. Five. Establishing for once, we have so many eagles, and here's a blink and you'll miss him appearance by uh, Eagle Twelve. I believe his name is Paul Grist. Uh, he's co-pilot to uh, to Ken Johnson, or Pete Johnson. Ken Johnson's the Fireball XL Five character, isn't Four. he? And Ken Johnson is the Space 1999 Eagle pilot. Main mission, we have ignition and liftoff. This guy, yeah. Paul Grist is playing that guy's co-pilot, and you may recognise Paul Grist... Main mission to Eagle Fleet. ...as Bill Filer from uh, Doctor Who, The Claws of Axos. Falling to strength three. He has no dialogue. Still the problem over the search area, but good luck. And I, I find that strange sometimes you see in this show. Actors who are hired for speaking roles on Doctor Who appear as extras in this. I think, um... Oh, I can't remember the actress's name, but um, was it Jill Tarrant from Death to the Daleks is an extra in Main Mission for like four episodes at the start of the series. Paul Grist, I don't think, ever appears in the show again. She has severe concussion. Anyway, on the crashed Eagle, things are not going well. Everyone seems okay except poor old Sandra. She'll be all right. Because if anything is going to go wrong on this show, it will happen to Sandra. Every transistor, every condenser, not one of them isn't blown. And I've torn my sleeve. We must have blown out every circuit in the ship. That means we're totally dependent on Alpha to find us. And somehow Alan has torn his sleeve, thus exposing his manly 
Manly arms. Why don't you give Alan a hand getting us some air? She'll be all right. She's lying on the best bubble wrap pillow we can find. Look, we've got enough food to last us a fortnight. It's about 30 gallons of drinkable water in the tanks. And with 27 serviceable eagles back at the base. Plus half a dozen in repair that I've broken in the last week. Come on. Well, it'll... You know, it could have gone better, the whole searching for a new world thing, but so far... Clear over the last point of radar contact, Command. Our survivors seem uh, quite cheerful. They seem uh, well stocked with supplies. Not much of a new world, is it? Not much of a place to be lost in. And again, strange to see Matthias co-piloting an eagle. Again, showing that we've got all our regulars crashed on the survey eagle or manning strange, um, unusual posts in main mission. Who else do we have left among the regular cast to, to co-pilot an eagle? And that's a lovely touch of realism as well, that there would be a huge pile of lunar dust right outside the door because they ploughed straight into it and it's uh, been subsequently buried. So Alan and Paul are taking a look outside. Some camouflage, eh? They're never going to see us here. And speaking of they, here they come. Hey! We're here! We're here! Come back! Come back! I ripped my sleeve off entirely! Yeah, that's probably establishing why Alan's sleeve was torn earlier. Now he's ripped the whole thing off. Oh dear. But no sign. No, no. Hasn't gone well at all. Years. They've run out of daylight. The last eagle is returning to base. Have them refuel immediately. Hey, John, it's looking promising. The moon's curving in nicely towards an orbital station around our new sun. Yeah, I can't help keeping an eye on what, um, with with Carno Manning Paul's chair, eight days. Tanya Manning Carno's chair, now it looks like Mike Stevens has taken over Manning computer itself. Conditions on that surface will deteriorate rapidly. Also right. I may have allowed a greater focus on the other characters in this episode, Victor, but I'm still going to be right about things. And you hear stories about, you know, Martin Landau maybe demanding the X number of lines per script were assigned to him, and uh, he had to come up with, with the ideas and such. Some breakfast around here. So I wonder why, if that was the case, and I suspect to a large part, uh, to a large extent it might have been, but perhaps unconsciously so on his part, why acid. there's a greater focus on, on characters that, well, that aren't him this week. Supplies and the water. Why was it stored anywhere near the food? It wasn't. The impact must have carried it into the cargo section along with the main motor. Yep. We've just discovered all our supplies are useless. Lucky! Contaminated by the engines. We've still got survival rations. Oh, yeah. And about half a drop of uncontaminated water. Great. It's 120 degrees in the shade out there. What's that going to do to Sandra with a high fever, huh? She needs all the water she can get. Right. And you make sure the next time they fly over, they can see us, okay? Let's get this gear outside. We've got to start making some kind of marker. Paul still hasn't removed any part of his shirt. <laughs> but Alan is still stumbling around in the wind, half-dressed by this point. And a again, a clever use of these um, square uh, supply boxes. Well, not they're not they're not square. They're not cubed. They're sort of cube-ish supply boxes we see throughout the series, always being lugged around and falling over, but never really used. And they've got the good idea here to uh, to dump a, 
a load of them outside to make a marker. They also seem to have one of those um, salt-like uh, gritting um, boxes, the yellow plastic ones you'd see by the sides of the road on the Eagle. Eagle 1-5 is grounded, Commander. Uh-oh. Grounded. But Alan isn't here. Who's crashed it? Stabilizers. So far, five Eagles have reported similar faults. Well, Kenny's going to take this well. Get those technicians moving, Colonel. Get them moving! No Eagle is grounded until I say so! Now go on! My God, I love yelling at you. Yeah, Kano doesn't really seem that bothered. He knows that anyone who's going to get yelled at around here, it's going to be him. And Koenig's really pacing now. John, they're breaking their necks in the technical section. So they should. It might help if you actually had someone in charge of the technical section. See, we may not find them at all. We've got to find them, Victor. We've got to find them. You saw me crying at the thought of losing Alan. My God, if I'm going to lose four of them, I'm going to be absolutely inconsolable. She'll die out here. 120 degrees by day and freezing by night. Well, you rooted pretty hard for the crazy idea of settling out here. Did he? Instead of going down to the planet aerial. No one reckoned on you flying into a cloud bank for your kicks. Ooh. Come on, let's save our energy. It's about the only time in the series anyone actually questions Alan's, uh... Shall we say technique when it comes to landing eagles? We don't survive. Sandra won't make it. And I do like as well Paul and, uh, and Alan both being concerned about Sandra... Um, it was kind of a, a well, I was going to say a running thread, but it wasn't really. It only came up once in the full circle where... There must be something we can do. It was briefly hinted that uh, Alan had feelings for Sandra as, as well as Paul did. But he's put the idea into Paul's head now. Nice liftoff, Commander. No systems malfunction indicated. Carlo, stop him. For heaven's sake, stop him! Bring him back! Mm. Why does Victor never phone these things through on his comm lock? Why does he always have to come charging into main mission? Think function on the space. That's it. And even the model falls apart. I love that, that the model is falling apart as it crash lands. The, uh, one of the, the, is it an engine baffle or a, a, a ball or something falls off the back end? Something we don't know about in the atmosphere, coupled with incessant flying through fine particles of moon dust, caused very rapid corrosion. Your control system is just seized. So that dialogue would hint that it was a fortunate accident that the uh, model was falling apart as it crash-landed. Stripped down one eagle and graphite every exposed surface. Technical estimate, three days. They've started already. They'll have to do it in two. Now, I don't know whether this is friend or foe, but let's get it out of here, all right? Mm. Oh, yeah, because the probe has been in the base the whole time, acting as uh, a reminder that there was, oh, yeah, there was a planet out there as, as well as uh, a new world potentially on the lunar surface. You're getting better. You're going to be all right. I thought we had found our home. We will. But... Shh. I'll find you some more to drink. Has it rained? Yes, it's rained. It's rained rainbows and unicorns and lollipops and... Oh, he'll say anything to make her feel better. Now she's gone back to sleep. But Paul and his moustache are still troubled. Oh, the water looks like it's been refilled between shots. Um, still meant to imply, though, that there isn't much left. Even though it seems to be magically refilling itself. Yep, yep, a different shot now, and the bottle has gone down considerably. It's given Paul the idea to go outside that Alan mentioned earlier. And he's lit to look quite sinister as he makes the decision to go outside. Which, of course, he won't be able to do without uh, disturbing everybody. woken Helena up. Alan seems to have slept through it. Where's Paul? 
Gone to fetch water. More recycled music, Secret Service again. I love the fact that through this era of uh, his composing for, for Anderson shows, Barry Gray was like, well, I've got this old show, the, the score for this old show that no one watched, and I've got this score for this old film that no one saw. What if I just throw all of that music at it? And it works. Because it's the same composer, you don't immediately tell that it, uh, it's not quite in the same style as the, uh, the episodic scores that were recorded earlier in the show. Meanwhile, Helena has had a, a brief look outside for Paul, but uh, obviously hasn't been able to get uh, too far away from the ship because there's a lot of dust flying around. And uh, Paul is... Yep, she shut the door on him. That's that. Paul said it had rained. He did. Oh, yes. And in a similar vein to me saying about you know Martin Landau, you, you hear stories about how he wanted things this way and that way. Not really, just... Switching over to Barbara Bain for a moment, you hear stories about how she had to she had to always look a certain way and she had to be shot in soft focus a lot of the time. I give her credit in this episode that she is um, quite happy to look not only totally unglamorous, but also thoroughly knackered at points in this episode. She looks really done in uh, as well. She might having survived a, a spaceship crash and... Uh, as you know, some of the things we'll later see her being put through in the story. Meanwhile... Our man who was trying to walk back to Alpha has found, found some mushrooms. What looked like some kind of fruit with water in it. So, why not uh, help yourself? Yummy. More Secret Service music to say, oh, this probably isn't a good idea. But somehow, it's um, given him the strength to produce this little uh, shack type thing. Home. The new city of Alpha. But I we don't... found our home. This is our Garden of Eden. To begin the human race all over again. And it's lovely as well that you don't immediately see that anything's wrong with Paul because it's been established that he's so intent on... Where'd you get the steam to be up all night? ...building up Sandra's hopes. Breakfast? You don't immediately notice that he's, uh, he's speaking slightly differently here. Wait a minute. Where did it come from? Over there. Under the rocks. It's growing like mushrooms. I like as well that there's absolutely no explanation for where this came from by the end of the story. Testing it, we can't eat it until... But I've already tested it. You know, it's implied that it came from the people of Ariel, but, you know... You've eaten it? When did they fly by and drop this off, conveniently close to the, uh, the eagle? Paul, we have to be careful. Helena's starting to get an idea that things have gone wrong. Doesn't seem to have done him any harm. You know, he's a bit crazy, but he was always crazy. He must have got the strength from somewhere. The way I see it is, it's no accident that the moment I lie down to die, this stuff literally appears in front of my nose. This is an interesting angle to take with, um, with Paul, repainting him as a religious zealot. Today we not only have hope, but sustenance as well. Deluded that he's a, a pioneer of sorts. We either eat it or die. And I would have loved to have seen the others eating this and going similarly loopy. Let's stick to the ration cubes for breakfast. While I do what tests I can, then if it's all right, and you're still all right, we'll all try it. Just in case it is okay, I'm going mushroom. <laughs> I would love to have seen these four absolutely, uh, you know, stoned out their mind on the shrooms. Meanwhile, Koenig is keeping an eye on the uh, aerial probe using a pair of binoculars that uh, I believe appeared in UFO. Hey, John, 
Well, look at it that much. You should have left it in the technical section. You don't have to tell me, Victor. That phony cheerfulness tells me. We're not going into orbit, right? No, we should have gone to the planet after all. Oh, dear. Well, never mind. Somehow, I don't think I like the people. There'll be another planet this time next week. They gave us air. Which will turn into an ice cap the moment we pass beyond the warmth of Ariel's sun. And Alpha will be crushed to death. I know these things, Victor. You wouldn't know them because you're not a scientist. Proof Eagle. Ready to go. I suppose really there was no reason why someone else couldn't have led a flight down to Ariel, but uh, hey-ho. It's too late now. We're clearing Alpha now on 240. And this is the third eagle that Koenig and Matthias have taken out this episode. I'm not sure that it's safe, but I think maybe we should try. Of course. Yeah, what the hell. What could possibly go wrong? We get back. Uh-oh. We're not going back. We're staying right here to begin our new life. <laughs> oh, this is lovely. We're given an atmosphere. A freak electrical storm and we're cut off. A freak dust storm and we're buried. A moment of near starvation. And it's not that it's not a, a logical development for the story necessarily. The people of that planet have a sense of purpose. And I believe we have one now. But you need a sort of a, a personification of an antagonist to resolve this. We'll build and settle and bring up children. We'll multiply. And with no guest stars in this episode at all, bar a voice later on. Pacific and fragile rafts. So will we launch forth into space? We, we give this role to Prentice Hancock, who just grabs it with both hands. Meanwhile, Alan's come back. Seen the effect the mushrooms have had on Paul, and he doesn't want any part of them. That was sacred bread, Alan. Oh. That was sent to us in our time of need. I love this stuff. Paul, wait a minute. That... Paul is suddenly interesting. Pick it up. It's not something that he's ever really been before. With no disrespect to Prentice Hancock, he just wasn't given the material to work with. Now, unfortunately, all our actors have been replaced with stump people, which is a shame. Very noticeable on the uh, the Blu-rays. And Sandra got kicked in the head because, you know, it's Sandra and basically, you know, you can't let her have a happy life. Kick her in the head, why not? Oh, Alan's down. You would come between me and my destiny. But our great leader... No one shall stop me. Now got the strength to throttle Helena. He's really... Oh. No. I love this. I love this. It's so... I don't know, but I think the fact that you don't really see Prentice Hancock really stretch, stretching his acting chops as such throughout the rest of the series because he doesn't have the material, being given something like this and, and just running with it, it's um, it makes it more effective than it would have been had, say, Koenig gone off like this. And meanwhile, the aerial probes are back. Look, Dr. Russell, the people of the planet Ariel are here again. It is a second coming. I shall throttle them, and then I shall build cities, and then we shall have bread, and... Oh, here comes Koenig and Matthias. Unnoticed by Paul, but Helena has certainly noticed. And she's got a plan. Atmospheric pressure's falling rapidly, Commander. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Those satellites are back. So she's run back into the Eagle. And she's found several canisters of presumably oxygen or, or similar gas that just happened to be lying around the cabin. Um, very lucky those didn't go off during the crash. Releasing the valves on all of them. And then grabbing the laser bazooka rifle thingy. 
which um, might have been a way of attracting the search party's attention or so, but uh, probably best they didn't employ that. Retreating to a safe distance from the eagle and... And again, lovely integration of the exploding model... 15 degrees left! ...on the model set, and then Barbara Bain's stunt double being thrown backwards on a live-action set. Yay, that's got Koenigs and Matthias's attention. Space suits, Commander. The atmosphere is thinning fast. No time. Alan's found Helena. Take her! Commander, I'm all right. It's Sandra. She needs help. She's in a shack over there. I won't mention that Paul's completely gone off his rocker. I'm sure you'll get the gist of it when you run into him. Poor Sandra. Leave her alone! There's no time, Paul! I said leave her alone! Oh, this is more... We have laid the foundation stone of mankind's future. Trauma for Sandra to endure. Oh, and having delivered that line, Princess Hancock is immediately replaced by a stunt double. I mean, okay, I, I, I do feel a lot of sympathy for Sandra, but in moments like this... I know she had a concussion as well, but she's, she's just rolling around on the floor whimpering. She could easily just get up and walk away. Here we go, we have to have... Koenig and Paul fighting while she scrambles around on the side. And of course we've now had the last of Paul's uh, religious rhetoric, I think. Now we're just fighting with a grappling hook. Paul's almost out of it. Meanwhile, <laughs> two, two stunt doubles are fighting on an identical set somewhere else. Yeah, I don't normally like to complain about the stunt doubles because, you know, it's, it's the period in which it was made, but they are very noticeable here. It pulls, punched, and down, and there he goes. Oh dear. Koenig's thinking, my god, why didn't Alan warn me about that? Is a food substance, amazingly rich in second class protein and many of the essential vitamins. We could grow almost limitless crops once we've removed all the hallucinating elements. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't discover that sooner, Paul. Oh, I'm not. It wasn't a bad trip. Except for the ending. So times like that, you find out who your friends are, Paul. <laughs> Commander! Who's forgiven? There's movement on the alien object. Oh, Tanya did get some more lines. I also like that uh, they've come out of all this with uh, a new crop of food to eat. That's nice. So these aliens have given them something uh, beyond a few days frolicking in the sun. It's leaving us. The sooner the better. Oh, and it sets up position over the uh, main mission tower. We were neither benevolent nor malevolent. Wow. Our absolute need was to prevent you from penetrating the atmosphere of our planet. So we gave you what you wanted, in the hope that you would not further disturb us. Can you hear me? And understand your thoughts. Uh oh. Then you must have known we came in peace. We believe your intentions. But here it comes. But we have been watching the progress of your world since the beginning of time. Oh, of course you have. Human nature is such that we could not afford to take the risk. And that's straight out of the the Star Trek alien playbook where they get lectured by an alien in a glowing nighty saying, ah, we've been watching you for many, many centuries. I, I do like, though, that um, there was no real sort of lecture, no uh, you are good or bad, because these aliens just decided they were neither good or bad. Meanwhile, we now get this uh, from a very... Um, heartwarming and inspiring shot earlier we now get a very sad and poignant shot as the atmosphere is cleared the sun is retreating on the horizon and all our regulars 
and all those extras who've been getting so much screen time this week all gather at the windows to watch the sun set on what could have been their new world. And I love as well that yeah, everyone plods off back to work. That is everyone except Paul and Sandra. Because, you know, can't help feeling they had a bit more invested in that new world than uh, anyone else. And everyone was very invested in that. But hey-ho, that's another dream down the toilet. And that was... The Last Sunset, and I, as I said at the start, that's always been my favourite episode of the show precisely because it focuses so much on the other characters. Okay, Helena was on the uh, the uh, search party as well, but it was so nice to get particular focus on Sandra and Paul and Alan and, uh, yeah, Tanya and the, the, the extras back in Main Mission. It's a lovely change of pace, uh, a lovely idea to present the Alphans with something they really want right on their own doorstep and then take it away from them. Mm -hmm.